Welcome to episode two of Just Giants, sponsored by, as usual, nobody. I am the cranky fan, Mike Aegis, and with me as always, the football grump, Mike Sheeler. That's How's me. How's it going, grump? Hanging in there. How about you? Oh, just uh, counting the minutes and hours and days until the draft and summer practice and fall and football. So, I thought I thought you were going to start going over your uh, the the Florida Gators loss in the Final Four. Well, Elite Eight, that's I think, ancient, right? That's ancient history. You're not, we're not going to go back and dwell <laughs> any further about that aggravation. I have enough baseball to be aggravated about right now. So let's talk about happy things like the New York Giants. Um, so we, we've got some good news. To, I mean, it's been all good news, I think, all off season. Going off of what we talked about last episode, uh, we're going to go more in depth with the free agency so far this year. Here, here's here's what uh, what I think about the free agency so far this year. Jerry Reese has not made a lot of splash moves this year, not like last year. Of course, obviously, we don't have as much money to do that. But here's the other thing. He's put us in the best position to draft the best player available. Uh, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, in the, like in the last couple of years, it was like we had a dire need at, you know, corner or a dire need somewhere. Now it's you're right. Now it's who the best possible position can be, you know, and when you're drafting 23rd or even in the second or third round, it's not, you know, we desperately need this position. I don't think we have really any roster spot right now where we're in desperate need of anything. I mean, the offensive line is probably the weakest part. Uh, I, uh, let, let me ask you this. Is there any position where the Giants don't need a depth signing, where you can't see them at all drafting somebody? Hmm. That's a good point. You know, there's always need for depth. Uh, the short answer I, is the I, only I, position maybe, maybe. is punter and long snapper. Yeah, Those are the I only positions. So. And uh, I'm going to make the case for that going forward in the next couple episodes. There is a draftable need at every position. The The level of need obviously varies. But the way we have manipulated free agency so far this year, we've set up things so that we can work with what we've got if we can strengthen the other positions. And I, a lot of credit to Jerry Reese. Being a GM, I think you're the constant punching bag of any organization that's having a couple bad years. But the last few years, Jerry Reese has killed it in the draft and free agency. Yeah, it's the same thing. It happens in college recruiting and it happens in the draft. It's like after one year, all oh, that draft class was a bust. Well, no, there are a bunch of rookies who are you worrying about. You know, If you're expecting – you know a left tackle to come in immediately and be the anchor of your offensive line, not going to happen. You know, if you're counting on a rookie to be a quarterback and come in all of a sudden throw for 4,000 yards and, you know, 40 touchdowns, not going to happen. So you have to have the patience for that long timeline to say, let's look back, you know, three, four, five years. How was that draft class? How was that free agent class? And, and you're right. I think Reese gets a lot of blame for, you know, even a Jerry, uh, even a uh, Eric Flowers, like he's still in his completing a second year. Let's give him a little more time to see Absolutely. before we already. Yeah. And some of the blame that Jerry Reese has gotten, he deserves. The 2012 draft class was not good. 2013 was not really all that good either. But it does take time. These things take time to develop, and the implications of a bad draft takes time to set in. So if you if if we have a bad draft, then you have a bad year. So you follow it up with a good draft. You may still have another bad year because it takes time for that good draft to flourish, and the effects of that bad draft can last a couple of years. 
Oh, and you, and you see that, especially like when you're worrying about having to fill spots with free agency, which costs a lot more. You know, if you have seven draft picks and only, you know, two of them survive the team more than two, three years, you know, to replace those empty spots is going to cost a lot more in the open market than it is having your own guys. So it's absolutely true. Uh, so what, what Jerry Reese has done, like I said, is minimize the amount of need around around the roster. A tight end was a huge question mark after last year. It was an absolute disgrace to watch on the field. It really was. <laughs> they, they drafted a guy who in Jarrell Adams, who we knew was a project going into it. He didn't have a whole lot of experience, but he showed a lot of talent, like raw talent. And we knew that he wasn't going to see a lot of the field. He actually did not look that bad last year towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but going into this year, what do we have? Will Ty and Matt and Jarrell Adams? Yeah, Matt, Matt Matt Lacoste hasn't really seen the field ever, but right. I I agree. I think there I think there's something there, but that was that was that was much higher up on the need chain for for this team going into the draft. And Jerry Reese went out and signed Rhett Ellison from the Minnesota Vikings for four years. So Rhett Ellison is the kind of guy who. Doesn't have a lot of glamour in the receiving game, but he can catch smoothly. He runs good routes. More important than anything, he blocks, and he blocks well. Well, that's what this team needs. This team needs help along the offensive line as much as it can. It needs help pass blocking. It needs help run blocking. And, you know, we have weapons on the outside. I'm not worried about the passing game, but what we have with, you know, between Beckham and Shepard and Marshall now. You know, my real need for a tight end is someone who can block, who can you know, line up on either side and help out both of those tackles and, you know, help block. So that's, a, this is the type of guy we need. Well, You're right. I, not a glam, not a glamour guy, but someone we need. Right. A lot of the criticism was that we needed a tight end that could do it all, that could stretch the field, that had the height and the wingspan, but also, also could block. And that pretty much narrowed down the draft to about two guys, OJ Howard and David Njuko, and neither one of which may fall to us. But by, by signing a guy like Rhett Ellison who excels at one part of that and is very capable at the other, you've now minimized that need for a tight end. You can get a guy who can just stretch the field and you can work on his blocking in the next couple of years. If his technique is good but he needs to add strength, you don't need him to be a great blocker this coming year. So yeah, you don't have to re- risk minimization. Right, and no longer do you have to reach for that tight end. You know, if an O.J. Howard... I've seen him all over mock drafts, all over the place, and I think the trend is he's slowly rising and rising, like how quarterbacks always seem to slowly rise to get closer to the end of April. But now we're not have to reach for a guy that you may be able to pick up in the, you know, second or maybe even third round because there's such a desperate need for tight end. Sure. So I, I think Rhett Ellison is is um that was a solid signing. Other guys, Brandon Marshall is the big one, probably the biggest name of new signings. What did you think of Brandon Marshall? I mean, he's a guy who wanted to – he made all the signs he wanted to stay in New York. Uh, I know to me it's kind of a relatively short-term rental. You know, I, I think there's – is there an opt-out after one year? I, a, a, I believe a, so, but it is a two-year contract. So even if you don't opt out, it's still pretty short-term. you gotta, you got to plan for life after Marshall already, I would say. Yeah, I think so. I mean having Beckham, Shepard, and Marshall, that's a pretty, uh, pretty dynamic – threesome right there right off the bat and he's a a guy who could be really good in the red zone something we've been desperately needing help with in the red zone (laughs) and he's a guy who who blocks you know he he, he's he's a good wide receiver blocker so sure so again things that we needed 
Short aside for listeners, me and Mike have complained endlessly about the lack of a red zone target on the outside, <laughs> especially tall wide receivers. This is the first guy over six feet I think we've had that had a name or, or some some stats to back themselves up. I Since mean, Plexigo, right? Yeah. If, I mean, I remember we were – I mean, how sad is this? Clamoring for Ramsey's Barden to see the field. <laughs> yeah, we're big fans of those guys who in early August are making all the uh, all the waves yeah, until they all... disappear when it's when the uh, when we're, we're live bullets. So <laughs> some other no big... pun intended for uh, yeah, yeah yeah other big signings. Uh, this one's a headliner, but it may not amount to much. Geno Smith for one year. What do you think? Well, we're gonna have our discussion about the quarterbacks a little later, but you know. If you're going to have a backup quarterback, in my view, it's always the same. When you lose your starting quarterback for any length of time, your season's over. Uh, if you need somebody who's going to go down for maybe you know, two or three series in a game, you want somebody who's not completely green and not completely incompetent. Uh, Geno Smith has started in the NFL. He can play if you need him for a short-term basis. And that's, you know, in 2017, that's what we need right now. Somebody, if Eli has to go down for a couple series or even a game or two, who can maintain the offense. Now, if Eli's down for six, seven weeks or he's out for the year with an injury, it doesn't matter. You know, we're done. The season's over. Uh, so I don't have a problem with him coming in. And he's not the long-term solution. Frankly, I don't... frankly, he's coming in to compete for a roster spot. I mean, with Josh Johnson still on the roster, he's not even guaranteed to be on the roster. So, I mean, to sign, what is he, 25, 26 years old? 26. 26-year-old yeah. former starter high round draft pick to a one year deal for a million dollars. That's an insane deal. That's why a not take a, why deal. not take a flyer on him? You're right. And what's the worst thing can happens? Well, the, the worst thing is really the best thing that happens. Eli plays every snap this year and you know, you don't need your backup quarterback, but you know, Eli is, he's getting long in the tooth now and there's going to be a situation where we, we may need a backup quarterback this year. And you know, again, the worst thing that can happen is he can't be any worse than some of the other scrubs you see in the NFL who are backing up. So I don't, I don't have a real – I really didn't think much of it after the signing. I know it was fodder for sports radio for a few days and stuff. But to me, it's just – you know, it, it's it's a spot of need that we had. We needed to have a backup quarterback, and hopefully you'll never see the field. Exactly. Other big signings, DJ Fluker, one-year deal from San Diego. Formerly San Diego, now Los Angeles Chargers. Where do you see DJ Fluker playing, and do you see him sticking on the team? Well, you know, it's interesting. He was a guy we were targeting in the draft. That's right. And he got, I think, he got picked uh, one or two spots before we did. So, That's correct. You know, another guy might be a little bit of a reclamation project. You know, I think we got him on the relative cheap, and you know, I see him probably on the right side of the line, competing for a starting spot right away. You know, it. It, 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 it's a side of the line we need depth too, you know, as well as you know who's going to start over there. So, you know, again, it's 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 a relatively inexpensive flyer taking on a guy who may have a rejuvenation with the Giants, and if not, you know, no skin lost. Yeah, uh, not not to bounce all over the place here, but like you said, DJ <laughs> Fluker on the right side of the line. We also lost Marshall Newhouse, who played right tackle and sometimes popped in at left guard. Gone, signs elsewhere. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of a plug and play. He's a different kind of guy. He's, he's more of a power guy, I think, than Marshall Newhouse was, who kind of got shoved around a little bit. Well, that will help the running game, a power guy, which is was so atrocious last year. So that's a good thing. Exactly. And he, he can play right guard or right tackle. To me, he looked better at right tackle than he did at right guard. 
But and if he could play both positions, that's really, I think, what the Giants are looking for, depth at both positions. And I would not be shocked if, shocked if he started at right tackle over Bobby Hart either. So True. And I, I and I we we talked about Bobby Hart last week. He's I I still believe he's the youngest player on the roster. It's going to take time for Bobby Hart. I think he's the the fact that he started is is pretty impressive. I, I okay yeah I, I get it. The offensive line sucks. That's how bad it is. But he hung in there. I I think they had signed Marshall Newhouse to start over him, and it was kind of a tie. Yeah, I think he'd been more of a glaring weakness if we had a better offensive line. I think just kind of everything around him and, you know, the lack of a running game and, you know, all the things we've discussed, I don't think were all his fault. I think, you know, you're right. He is so young that really he should be a rotational guy right now, not with the responsibility of starting. And I don't think if Fluker starts at right tackle, it's an indictment of, you know, what his future will be with the Giants. So he may come back in a year or two now and be the starter. So again with the the youth that he has is not a knock against him you know if he's not starting on opening day sure and and along that same line on the on the right side of the line john jerry was re-signed for three years thoughts comments concerns (laughs) 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 i guess somebody you know i i you know again a guy who might be best suited to be a rotational guy and not a starter you know we just don't have the starters yet to replace guys like him. So they like that they see enough of them to, to re-sign him, but I think they're still, you know, it kind of is indicative of the plans they have in the future of who they want else they want to bring in here. Exactly. So here's here's what I'm saying about putting us in the best position to draft. John Jerry, uh, uh, all right, let's start with his skills first of all. He can't run block. He just can't do it. However, pass blocking, he's very good. He's a very good pass blocker, and he can also play right tackle if needed. He's much better suited for guard, but he's played right tackle. He hasn't been awful. Um, but, yeah, okay, so he's better suited as a depth signing. I think they're comfortable with him being the starter if need be, but if they can't draft a guy to replace him, they're okay with that. But they can still. So this is what I mean about signing the right guys to not have a glaring weakness but to minimize the risk, to minimize the weaknesses, and draft the best player available and not reach. Right. So now we're not reaching for a guy to play right guard. We we can we could take a guy who has upside later later in the draft if need be. Um, we can completely ignore it in this draft and wait till next year. He's signed for three years. He can make it through the year. He's like a, he can't run block and it drives me crazy. But <laughs> at least Eli is not going to get killed. Right. And the way this offense is structured with a lot, you know, that West Coast style of lots of quick passes and stuff. That's you know the way the offense is built right now. So. A guy like him and his style helps us more. And the other thing, too, you have to remember also, if we can get through this year with him, you know, we don't have to worry. It's not necessarily having to draft a right guard or a right tackle. We will have some more money freed up that we can, you know, dip more into the free agent pool and get someone to help us right away. Um, it kind of actually leads into a question, a philosophical question, you think. Are the Giants at that point where they are a w- built to win right now or still in a rebuilding mode? Uh, I mean, remember. I th- Remember, we are twelve months away from a you know four and twelve disaster, and it's true. But I, I think if, at if this you take, point, I take think, away Eli, is this team built to win right now, okay. or are we still in a rebuilding mode? I mean, yeah, sure. You take away the starting quarterback on any team, and that's going to be the answer, Mike. Well, I'm not talking about him getting hurt. I'm talking about yeah. If you subtract I about Eli piece. Manning in his you know spot in his career as a thirty you know upper thirty year old guy, you know so so. 
in in tandem with last year and I think going forward, Jerry Reese has positioned himself much in the same way that John Elway positioned the Broncos when they signed Peyton Manning. They picked a lot yeah. of guys who were on the twilight of their career or the or entering the twilight of their career for short contracts, three to four years, like Demarcus Ware. They, uh, I guess this doesn't apply, but but a guy who there was pretty much a hired gun, Nakib Talib. They they filled the positions to win then, and I think that's what we're doing here. Do you think so? I I do. I mean, I, I guess you could say I, I like maybe the Brand, the Brandon Marshall signing maybe looks that way, but I I, I, don't, I don't I don't feel I don't like we're a bunch. Of, it's, I don't feel like our window is like the next year or two, and it's all or nothing. I I think we're very young in the secondary, and that's built for a while. You know, this defensive line, four uh, three fourths of them are going to be with us for four years. I, no, I, 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 I This is not as close minded or short sighted as the Broncos, where they pretty much dumped everything into the next into a, a four year window. I think Eli's window is probably around four years, but the team is still being built youthfully and um, smartly. Yeah, we're, it's, it's, we're it's, gonna talk. We're going to talk about that four-year window when we get to the quarterbacks. So yeah. <laughs> I have a different opinion but, but, of that one. But, but okay, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, I think they're building to win now, but I don't think they're dumping everything into that. I think they're still drafting young, drafting with upside, so that when a new quarterback is Eli's successor comes in, he's on a team where he can flourish, where he can grow, and not be annihilated. And um, that's why, And that's why I'm curious if our next quarterback is not going to be drafted, but it's going to be – a free agent. So I think the next quarterback coming in here is going to be inheriting the keys to a, a a car that's ready to win right now. I really do. You know, again, I think that Eli window is a lot shorter than you think it is where the core of this team is going to still be together when it's time to pass the baton. I, I, I just like that you kept my car analogy from last week. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, uh, briefly, I just want to go over. We signed Antoine Blake, a cornerback who is mainly a special teams player. He's nothing too special from what I've seen. Um, <laughs> a running back from San Francisco, Sean Drone. I actually thought when I saw it and when I watched a couple of things, he was just a Bobby Rainey replacement. He's going to be Shane Vereen's backup. He's a third down back. He can catch. This guy can catch really well out of the backfield. He turns upfield really quickly. He might have a lot more to do with this offense than people might think he does. So he's going to be a guy to watch out for in the spring and, and – sorry, the, the summer into the fall. So we did not have a whole lot of big-name guys signed from other teams, but we did lose a couple big-name guys with Rashad Jennings and Victor Cruz expected. Yeah, no spilt milk, I think, on either case. You know, as much as we love Victor Cruz and he's always going to be, you know, one of our favorites, he'll be on the Ring of Honor at some point, but – I think the fact is being out for what was it 444 days or whatever that number whatever. was that he was out you know I, I think you just if you just watch the film and watch the tape he's not an NFL quality wide receiver anymore and I think it was time to cut bait the NFL and the way the salary cap is structured you can't have you know past heroes hanging around longer than they need to be and I think they made the wise wise decision to part ways with him Yeah I agree it's pretty sad to watch knowing how wonderful it was for him to come up as a walk-on kind of guy. I still remember him wearing the number three in preseason games, but everything you said is absolutely correct, and I, I, the whole world knew it. So, well, look at look how the football world in New York City changed with that ninety-nine yard touchdown sure. against the Jets. I mean, it changed two franchises' fortunes. You know, for you know, <laughs> one play, 
for one play up until this point and even going forward. Also cut ties with Will Johnson, a guy who never really got his start. I really was looking forward to seeing what he could bring last year. Went out with a, a, a burner yeah. on IR. Real weird. I, I, th- I think I read something somewhere where he was like he lost feeling in his fingers or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how burners work. It sounds like an awful thing, just the word burner. Yeah. And but I didn't think it was something that was IR worthy. I thought it was something that you, you know, a couple of weeks you you kind of live with and you deal with. But I guess it's much bigger. So I think I think it, it has something to do with your nerves, and they come in varying degrees of, you know, severity. Yeah, and in the way the NFL is now, how they're how conscious they are of you know injuries you know spinal cord injuries nerve injuries head injuries that they're going to be more protective than probably they were 10 years ago too yeah um other guys that we lost i already mentioned newhouse and uh, oh i didn't mention cody sensible left i don't think there's any spilt milk there uh, yeah. but, but robbie gold that's that's you know it's a kicker yeah, yeah. you know it, we got really lucky last year that he kind of came right in in a kind of a, a pinch and did the job for us kickers like now i guess I guess they kind of grow on trees. It's not something you're really overly concerned about until the one you get is god awful. So, yeah, um, I could possibly see us maybe using a late round draft pick to uh, to draft a kicker. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Something that wouldn't have happened, you know, if we didn't make some of these prudent free agent signings where we were, you know, reaching for things. Absolutely. So now I think you I think you have the luxury now when you say best available, you know, that might include, you know, a value pick down at the bottom of the draft. I agree. Um, notable re-signs, Zach Diossi, Orleans Darqua re-signed for one year. Um, I didn't realize it until I looked back at the tape, but he was actually playing really well up until his, up until his injury. Um, I still think he's got something that he can bring that we don't have on the roster right now. Just, just the way, just the way he hits the hole, man. He just makes a decision, makes a cut and he goes. I think when you watch just the blondness of Rashad Jennings every carry, and all of a sudden he's something that's <laughs> yeah, okay, a little okay. better. I mean, before uh, Perkins really got his spot in the rotation, you know, it's just kind of you know, I, you know, it's all relative with him. I think, I, I think, I think we are going to draft a running back somewhere in this draft, and I, I, I'm not sure a guy like him is going to make it through cuts in the fall. Maybe not. Uh, Mark Herzlick resigned for a year, of course, the special teams ace, one year. The guys at the guys at Teflon. Uh, guy man he always seems to survive uh cuts and he's, you know five six years later he's still here yeah i like how every year it's a it's a job interview for him for next year exactly he's always he's always on in the contract year the big one okay jpp four years a lot of money thoughts i really went back and forth with jpp what i thought you know after the uh the initial uh explosion i was ready to cut ties with him i was done but there's not that many guys at defensive ends that are as impactful as he is in a game I, you know a lot of the the, the question was going to be whether you know do you, are you going to sign hankins or sign jpp but to me a guy like hankins those guys kind of grow on trees too you know nothing you know he was nice as part of this line last year but he's replaceable there's not that many jpps out there that you can get so Four three defensive ends that can play the run as well as him and rush the passer as well as him. There's not that many. Yeah, you know, and I get it that his, you know, some of his really good games later in the season are against questionable opponents, but that doesn't matter. I I think collectively as a unit, we saw what this defense could do, and right now we have ten of those eleven starters back next year, uh, and healthy. So 
I, I'm, I'm for the signing. I, I think you, you want to keep the band together as long as you can. You know, they're all going to be together now. You know, three of the four guys in the line for for four years. That's huge. You know, you don't have to spend most of your summer and, and fall trying to learn a, a defense. You know, Spags will be back. They'll all be back. So let's just, you know, get, get going. Yeah, uh, I viewed it the same way as you. I went back and forth on it. Is it Hankins? Is it JPP? And what I ultimately concluded before the signing was, you know, Hankins is actually kind of in a weird spot because he's sort of a tweener, you know? He's sort of that one tech that Snacks is. And there's not a whole lot you can do with two one techs, you know? He's not quite a three technique either. I mean, not that he can't be a three technique, but, you know, you've got replaceability there if Hankins goes. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's important, I think, to have two bookend defensive ends. You know, I mean, I know you can rotate them, but they can just audible to the other side if you've got a weakness. Sure, so. sure, sure. Um, I mean, this team is going to be built, you know, for the next couple of years. It's going to be a defensive team. You know, as much as we have, you know, Eli and, and Beckham kind of suck up a lot of the headlines in the spotlight. You know, the success of this team last year was on defense. Absolutely. And, and they're going to ride this defense as long as they can, you know. Hopefully we'll see more production from the the running game. Hopefully we'll see more production from the red zone. But this game, this team is going to win and lose based on how well the defense is. So, and that starts up front. Sure. So I I think it was at the end of the day. I'm glad he was resigned, and in a way we can go. And not only that, resigning JPP and getting him off the franchise tender that actually happened pretty quickly. I think it was two weeks, two and a half weeks. That that's pretty fast. Um, mm-hmm. And it allowed us to resign Keenan Robinson for a one year deal. That's the most athletic linebacker I think we've got right now covers well. He he played great last year. I liked Keenan Robinson a lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I mean that's that's pretty much uh, free agency in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean we last year we required a com- com- we had tons of cap money and required a complete rebuild. This year, you know, it's nice to be in a position where you're kind of fine tuning. You're picking your spots. You're adding depth. You're you know shoring up what we had before. So. Now, you know, we is everybody's going to learn very quickly. One of the big things we always talk about, whether it's after every game, no matter what part of the year. okay, what are our draft needs? What do we need? And I always temper by saying, let's see what happens in free agency first. Absolutely. Now free free agency is done. And now we can start thinking about the draft. So whereas just like you said, this year, we're sort of shoring up our weaknesses and getting depth signings. Last year, last year was literally making up for bad drafts, not including GP, JPP. We signed three guys who would have been drafted around the time of our bad drafts in, in age, and were already at the height of their game with Jenkins, Vernon, and Snacks. Right, and the penalty we paid was we had to overpay for those if sure. we would have had them originally. Maybe it would have been a little more, you know, I guess you could say these guys were drafted at market value or signed at market value, but... Mm-hmm. You might be able to get them maybe a little bit of a haircut before. So, is it the the first step is admitting that you made a mistake and fixing it? So, <laughs> so let's talk. You... Let's talk uh, quarterbacks. We got a projected starter, Eli Manning. My thoughts: <laughs> he he's under contract until twenty twenty. That's the next three years. I think that that's pretty much the window. That's it. He's he's going to be the starter. Josh Johnson, Geno Smith, and a one Keith Wenning are all on the roster as backups. <laughs> Well, if we ever get down to that situation where he <laughs> has to play, you know, we just uh, we just go to sleep and wake up next draft day. So <laughs> I don't expect him to see a preseason snap, but that's okay. There's a lot of talk, especially since Jerry Reese hinted that 
Eli's window is closing or he's in the twilight of his career or the back, whatever. I don't know what he said. He said something along those lines. We all sort of knew that, especially after seeing last year. So mock drafts, analysts, beat writers, everyone's talking quarterbacks, if they're going to take them, where they're going to take them, who they're going to take. And this is probably the most inconsistent pick amongst all of them for every any position group for the Giants. Um, and a lot of it has to do with this draft class not having a surefire guy at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this is this is a year. Unfortunately, this is a year where I don't think it's very top-heavy in quarterbacks. And if it was, you know, I, I definitely think we'd pull the trigger on a quarterback. I, I really think the temptation is there to, to, you know, pick for the future. But quite honestly, this group of quarterbacks is I don't think is anything I want to build build on. And even want to develop into the future i i think the giants have a luxury that well i think the eli window is closing faster than you do i don't think it's slamming shut at the end of 2017 where we can afford to wait another year and wait for a better draft class of quarterbacks to come out a guy like deshaun watson i think is kind of a real unknown in the nfl and Travisky and those guys i mean i don't know what you think of them but off the you know looking at the tape I don't see these guys as franchise quarterbacks like we saw last year, you know, with, with these guys coming out. So the Giants traditionally show some prudence, and if they don't like something, they don't do it. I think at the end of the day, they're not going to pick a quarterback because I just don't think any of these guys are. I, I don't think we have the need right now, and I don't think these are the guys that you know, any of these are ones we want to take. Sure, that's 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 certainly one way of thinking it. Uh, personally, that's the way I see it too. You can also take the other side of the argument that all of these guys. A lot of them have upside. It's not a very good class, so you could probably get a guy with upside who can learn behind Eli Manning over the next couple of years and eventually be a successor. And you get him at a bargain price instead of getting a first-round draft pick. And you don't want to bust on one of those. If you bust on a fourth-round quarterback, that's okay. But you can't you can't bust your first-round pick. It's It's detrimental. Remember, guys like Eli, they're not supposed to be mentors. Like, a lot of these... You know, the misconception is like, oh, he'll be a he can tutor these quarterbacks getting ready. No. Guys like Eli and guys like uh Brett Farb, they did their job and their job is to prepare themselves to win football games. So I think that's a little bit of a a football myth of this kind of I mentoring. So. Yeah. I think the real benefit is they'll be in the quarterback meeting room with them. They'll see the way they think. They'll still they'll pick up on their mannerisms, um, the way they see things, how they prepare. That's that's what I mean. And when you have a guy who I think that's Eli's real strength is preparing, knowing defenses, knowing the game plan, knowing how to read it, change things at the line of scrimmage. That's a lot of stuff that happens in the meeting room. And I think that's yeah. something that a lot of college quarterbacks are probably not very good at. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think, you know, looking back on it now in complete hindsight, was the Ryan Nassib draft pick a bust? Absolutely. But you know what? Yeah. Ryan Nassib didn't have him graded very high that year. I like the balls of the move. I We traded up to get him in the fourth round. They had they had a much higher grade on him than I think I did, but I, I, liked, I liked the fact that they went for it. They had a high grade on him. It was now the fourth round. Let's just go get him. He's sitting there. Let's go take him. I liked that. Ultimately, I didn't have that high of a grade on him, so I, I didn't really expect much of him. Mm-hmm. My my thing with that was that the window, the Eli window, was wide, wide open four years ago. And to me, again, my theory is if your starting quarterback goes, your season's over. You know, 
That I, I'm right there pick, with you on that, by the way. That fourth round pick could have been better utilized for something for depth somewhere, or maybe a starter somewhere at this point. And knowing a guy that, you know, the, the best case scenario happened where he never did played, it seemed like kind of a wasted pick, you know? Well, and also, he's just, I think every I time think... we saw him in preseason, he didn't instill any confidence that even if he had to come in, he looked like a scared guy out there. Most That's of the time. not this was... entirely true. So the first year of Ben McAdoo's offense, there was a lot of sentiment that Ryan Nassib ran it better than Eli and that the, the offense was not tailored to Eli's strengths. Eli had to switch his back foot. There was a lot of sentiment, especially early on, when th- that offense really looked like a child learning to walk. Um, that Ryan Nassib actually had a better handle of it because it was closer to what he ran in college. If you if you remember, if you, if you want to look back through the Twitter sphere, going back three <laughs> years, um, so I mean, if you if you really want to go back, there was a lot of sentiment that Ryan Ryan Nassib. Well, it was more of an indictment of getting Ben McAdoo to be the offensive coordinator because he didn't Eli didn't fit what he was doing, and they were. The, the thought was that Ryan Nassib ran it better. But that aside, I think the best case scenario when they drafted Ryan Nassib was he would never have to play anything but preseason, look really good in the preseason. Maybe if you had such a good year that you could sit Eli for week 17, which would never have happened, um, that you'd be able to trade him on the market. That, that, I think he just hit it right there. Yeah, I think that, they that wanted to have an was. asset. Sure. I think they wanted an asset that maybe they can you know, take and they can parlay into maybe one or two other draft picks or something down the line. Sure. But, like I said, they had a they had a much higher grade on him in than the fourth round, and they saw him sitting in the fourth round, so they traded up and got him. And really, what they were looking to do is I don't know, maybe it was a second round grade they had on him or something. They were looking to turn, they, they were looking at it as a free second round pick. I, I think is what it was. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Deshaun Watson. You think he's going to bust in the NFL or just an unknown? I, I think he's a complete unknown. Uh, when. You know, I watch a lot of college as well, as you guys may know. And when you see guys that are all of the offense, where, you know, basically they're creating the offense out of nothing with their legs, you know, scrambling, making plays out of nothing, I get nervous in the NFL. You know, defenses are so much bigger and faster in the NFL that a lot of stuff they can kind of get away with in college may not necessarily happen in the NFL. I don't know. I mean, would you be willing to build a franchise around Deshaun Watson? So Deshaun Watson was mocked to the New York Giants at pick 23 at one point by Jordan Raynon of ESPN. Mm-hmm. Uh, my write-up of Deshaun Watson is he's going to bust, and I'll tell you why. Like you said, he tends to run. Everything is predetermined with this guy. If you watch the tape on him, first of all, he doesn't read defenses, and he doesn't use his eyes very well to, to look off people. He reads half of the field at a time. He's not actually going through progressions, and it's pretty predetermined. And if it's not there, he's running. He's got arm strength. It's there. He's got good size. His footwork is actually really good, and he's got a good windup. He's very mobile outside of the pocket. So there's a lot there to see, but his accuracy is terrible. And to me, the two things you can't really teach for a quarterback at this level is accuracy and you can't really teach a guy at this level to suddenly go through progressions. Mm-hmm. And those are the two things that he does not do. That's, yeah. that's my, that's my thoughts on Deshaun Watson. He, he looks like he's going to bust to me. Yeah. And I mean, if he, if he gets drafted by the giants in the first round this year, he's going to sit on the bench for a couple of years at least. And oh. maybe, you know, through the, you know, the film room and through practice and through getting all the reps. But again, 
when you're the backup quarterback, you're not getting the same amount of reps as a starter is too. So, you know, he may need to go to a team, you know, and just let like a team like the, the Rams or something like that type of team and just let them run around and create something out of nothing. You know, a team like Cleveland that, you know, quite frankly needs help with you know, just creating any sort of offense out of nothing. Cause they're, you have no offensive line and no real weapons. And maybe that's the type of a guy like how RG three was. Sure. You remember just, he was everything on that offense. And maybe was, that's the, there was a different team with him. Mm-hmm. Let's see how long, uh, you know, a guy like Odell Beckham likes it when a, a young quarterback who doesn't have the accuracy you mentioned can't get him the ball downfield. Oh yeah, can, and it's, it's especially his downfield accuracy that's abysmal too. He mm-hmm. overshoots guys. It's oh, it's terrible. It's it's actually hard to watch sometimes. <laughs> um, and after having elite wide receivers in the college game, you know, and there's such a mismatch between great receivers and secondaries in college too. Oh sure. If there is a consensus first high, highest round quarterback, it's Mitch Trubisky. Sorry, Mitchell Trubisky, and I can see why. There, the the big knock on Mitchell is uh, he has almost no experience. He's a one year starter. He's got a lot of stuff that you want though. He's an extremely good decision maker. He uses his eyes very well. He reads the defense. He's extremely accurate. And like I said, to me. If there's if there's two things if I can only pick two things for a quarterback it's accuracy and it's using their eyes and reading defenses. Um, he's not incredibly mobile, but he can run. He's got good feet. He stays calm in the pocket. Another thing that you can't teach is you know bravery in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a good quick windup. Uh, if he's there at 23, I doubt he will be. But I, I think we I think we've seen this story happen over and over and over again where. Quarterbacks you think are like, ah, they're going to be eight, nine. All of a sudden, as you get closer. They're two. <laughs> G- GMs panic, and before you know it, they're the first pick in the draft. I agree. So I, I think, you know, again, the lack of competition at quarterback this year, I think he's going to rise. I think he's going to be, for sure, a, a, a top five pick. And I would be surprised if he's the second pick in the draft. I, I agree. And, and to be determined in five years whether that was a smart pick or not. Sure. And I think that's pretty much how it's going to play out. He's going to be in the top five. There is one guy that I think is better. I think there is actually a really good quarterback in this draft. His name's Pat Mahomes from Texas Tech. His big knock is that Texas Tech's offense is a big gimmicky yak offense. So when he puts up giant numbers, a lot of it is this offense is set up to create mismatches. He throws to a guy. David Klingler syndrome. Yeah. I don't think that. That's going to be the case for him, though. I think I see a lot in him that I think he – first of all, it's a, it's one of those one-read offenses real quick. Like I said, they set it up. He reads the defense, finds the mismatch, and that's where he's going. I've seen a lot of plays, though, where things have broken down. He's had to scramble out of the pocket. He's reading those progressions. He knows where they are, and he can throw the ball like 60 yards downfield accurately. This guy, his his other big knock or his mechanics are a little all over the place – I have to tell you, he kind of looks like Eli Manning sometimes. <laughs> there was mm-hmm. one play I saw where he was panicking. He threw the ball with his left hand. I've seen Eli do that. Um, <laughs> We've seen Eli panic a lot too. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah I, I think Pat Mahomes is a guy that honestly I think would fit the offense really well. Well, let's put it this way. We don't think any of these guys, you know, if, if they fall to our spot, are not going to be reaches at that point. You no. know, it's not like, not it's not like we're the, you know, 
ninth pick in the draft and we're reaching for one of these guys. I think if they, you know, if they fall down, all of a sudden becomes a value pick. And sure, you know, sure. I, I don't think it would be a gigantic mistake for the Giants to take somebody like Pat Mahomes at twenty three if he's there. If he's mm-hmm. somehow fallen that far because of his mechanics and his gimmicky offense, it wouldn't be like a total disaster to pick him. And a lot of that has to do with the way Jerry Reese has manipulated free agency. Now, if it were me up there, no, I don't think I'm going to a quarterback. It's going to depend on how the draft is falling. Yeah, I mean, we always do these mocks in a perfect universe where we can we can project who the picks ahead of us are going to be, but you know, it never happens that way. Absolutely so. not. The Cowboys trade up, Raiders trade up, everybody trades up to take some guy. Um, here, here, here's here's something. I have a really great draft strategy strategy for the Giants. Let's not let the whole world know who we're picking this year. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? Last year, you and I were sitting there watching even amidst, amidst Laramie Tunsil falling through the draft, and nobody mm-hmm. knew what the hell was going on. Well, Some, they knew. <laughs> somehow, somehow, the Bears traded up to take Leonard Floyd right before us because the right. whole world knew that was our, our guy. And before right. that – the Titans traded – or who the hell was it? Somebody traded up to take Jack Conklin, who was the other guy that we – the whole universe knew the Giants were interested in. Right, right. <laughs> so hats off to Jerry Reese. You're doing it so far this year. Nobody knows yeah. who we're picking. That's my advice if that reaches Giants front office. Don't yeah. tell anyone who we're picking. How about that, guys? Loose lips <laughs> sinks our draft picks. So <laughs> Not exactly a rhyme, but yeah. you know, it's getting late. <laughs> so – Anything Indeed. else we want to cover today on, on today's show? or I don't think so. I think all the other quarterbacks in this upcoming draft, guys, Davis Webb, Brad Kaya, Nathan Peterman. That's Brad not- Kaya, you know, is a Miami guy. I've been hearing all year of how great he is, how great he is. Wasn't terribly impressed watching him, and I don't know. I, I, I think the name Brad Kaya means a lot more than what he actually is. Um, I think Brad Kaya is not going to go very high in the draft, uh, and – a lot of it has to do with his inconsistencies. He panics under pressure. Like I said, you can't teach bravery to a guy mm-hmm. at this level. This guy is a wimp in the pocket. He, <laughs> his mechanics completely break down, so his accuracy falls off. He hits the panic button. He just he throws because he's not mobile at all, and that's fine. It's mm-hmm. okay that he's a statue in the pocket. Tom Brady's a statue in the pocket. You know what the difference is? Tom Brady stays there and makes it happen. He'll right. take a Takes hit the to hit. the face, and he'll he'll throw it live to die another day, or complete the pass. And there, there's also some questionability about him this year phoning it in because he was worried more about his draft position, or his draft stock, than winning games. Uh, I don't know how true that is. That's That could be locker room gossip from a team that sucked. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Uh, Mike, you want to take us home for this uh, end of this episode? How can people reach us if they want to find us? Oh. Well, you can reach us at our email address, justgiantspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm football underscore grump. We also have a uh, Twitter account for the for the show where we talk about what's coming up. We retweet things that we see around the Twitter sphere or whatever that is. Um, it's at Giants, uh, Just Giants Pod. Yeah, I mean, and people actually start listening to us, we'll start interacting with you and argue and debate all we want. So tell a friend or tell your family or tell anybody to start watching us uh, or watch us or listen to us. And You, yeah, know, you, don't, you don't want to watch us. Yeah, please. That would be – yeah, that's the fastest way to uh, make you become a Jet fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, you can catch me on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, and if you care at all about the Florida Gators, you can listen to my other podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, with me and Mark McLeod of Florida Sports Talk. So uh, we're both on SoundCloud. So whenever we get our lazy asses up to actually create an iTunes account, we will be on iTunes as well. So that's our homework assignment for very in the near future. All right. All right. Two in the books. We haven't been canceled yet, so that's good. So. <laughs> We will be back shortly with uh, our next episode of Just Giants. So until then, this is the Cranky Fan. And I'm the Football Grump saying, Go Giants! Go Giants!